Let's get Wetmore in here next. The Twins clinging to playoff relevancy, making changes behind the scenes that came out over the weekend. We can discuss it with him when we come back. Mackie and Judd. I, I think we've seen him grow in, in a lot of ways this year, and uh, it's been a lot of positive steps. You know, obviously, you know, you get off to a start like that, and, you know, for the third night in a row, we, we got a first inning deficit. Um, you know, I know I know Neil got him, and I, I got him. Um, just talked about, you know, those are the type of games where people step up and try to find a way to put some zeros up, even though their pitch count's probably going to limit how far they can go. It was Molitor on Jose Barrios yesterday. Hey, Derek Wetmore is in here from 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast. I'm I'm still uncomfortable from your Darren Sharper. You joke. blushed. I don't you like, you okay, blushed I really bad don't on that. Feel good sitting which in part this of it? Chair. Which which part crossed a line? What do you mean? You? Which part? Well, there were three parts to it. <laughs> like, Tell me which part. The last one made me slightly uncomfortable. I cringe. I embraced the first. Okay, two. what about this one? What about what about Miguel Sano in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You know who Cause, I because th- he's not yet. And it's not his fault. It's he the system, be. but he probably should be at some he's point. Got a three million dollar signing bonus. He should be. That's a, millionaire. a good point. Yeah, he probably is a millionaire. I'm thinking uh, of his I was, salary. I was thinking of Marion Gabrick. You remember the story that Brian Murphy told when he was visiting Marion Gabrick back home, and he was sitting in the. I'm going to screw up the story. Brian can tell it way better. But he's sitting in like the passenger seat of his Ferrari, just zipping through these Audubon roads at 130 miles an hour. Brian's like, well, if I live to write this story, it's going to be a good one. I'd like to follow Marion Gabrick around. Well, which TV show would you cast him in? That's the question. Um, Shoot, I don't watch enough TV to make this work. He's worse than I am. Just, yeah, Ridiculous. this is He's worse than me. Guys, yeah. I mean, it's not like I watch I'm, TV. I'm not Mr. I'm not like Neil Justin from the Star Tribune watching everything. But um, hey, so the Twins, tell us the significance about. I think if you're a casual fan, or even if you're a hardcore fan, you probably saw news over the weekend, or maybe you didn't. The Twins are letting some scouts go. They let their director of research and analytics go over the weekend. Um, one of the scouts was Mark Wilson, the I believe the Upper Midwest area scout who landed Joe Maurer and Glenn Perkins. So. What does this mean in your mind? Is it significant that they're letting these positions go? I I, I don't think I'd look at any one um, person in particular and say, hey, this is super, keep, keep your eye on this. This should be setting off red flags. But it's more like, you know, you you had some time now, if you're Thad Levine and, more importantly, Derek Falvey, to figure out what you've got. Figure out who's... Uh, who is in line with the way that you think about baseball, who can Mm -hmm. carry out the things that you need to. You've evaluated the scouts and the analytics and talent acquisition and minor league player development and all of that stuff. I wonder if this is just the first wave. I wonder if this weekend was, okay, we got through the trade deadline. We needed all hands on deck. Now it hits a little bit of a lull here, Mm -hmm. and we want to get ahead of the winter hiring period. We want to show people that are going to be looking for work, looking for promotions, upward mobility, that we have these openings. And I don't know. I think it's a sign that they've figured out some of the people that they didn't mesh with that that didn't fit their processes. And so I don't know that this is the first step. That's not any reported insight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just saw those moves this weekend. I sit in a target field and thinking, yeah, I wonder if this is it. Or I wonder you know, who I, might be next. I think you're right. It's just a start. Now, now the inter- the flip side to this, and I don't think that this is being reported a lot, though, Derek, is this. Tell us about what they're doing behind the scenes to bring people on board, because they're not putting that out there. And so we, we see people being let go, and I'm sure there's some folks saying, typical twins, probably trying to save money. 
Uh, but they have quietly beefed up departments without saying a word, correct? Yeah, for sure. They're, I don't know if dollar for dollar if they're spending more, so that's not the point I'm going to try to make here. But the point is that right. they haven't pumped their chests about hiring a bunch of new analysts. They've got more people in their baseball research department than they had at this time a year ago. They added people in spring training quietly. That went kind of over without without a bang. Um, I think most people weren't paying attention to the Twins. And they've built out that staff. They have more people researching baseball, running analytics, figuring things out. I, I don't know if they've added more in their scouting department, but, you know, they've also added that uh, the video advanced scout, uh, Hefner, yeah. that's helping them scout opponents for, for their the pregame series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know uh, what their overall body looks like in the front office. What's the head count now? But I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher than what you saw at a year ago. In fact, it might be significantly higher when you start counting up the heads and the number of people who are involved daily in figuring out player acquisition, roster construction, all of these kinds of things, the draft, free agency upcoming. I think that they have more hands involved in those decisions than they did at this time one year ago. So so Derek, Paul Molitor is the biggest name in question because yeah. his contract is up in less than two months now and they have to figure out you know, I where I defend Paul Molitor is you know, he he's been asked to go on. He's a chef who's been asked to go on one of these cooking challenge shows. You and your TV and, shows, and he's been given a box of bubble gum and some you know some salted sunflower seeds and some crappy cut of meat, and he's told, "Okay, go and put together a gourmet meal. Go put together a playoff team." Well. Like, not only do you not get extra ingredients to help the meal or some seasoning, like they take some ingredients away yeah, in Brandon right. Kinsler. So I think in the three years he's been here, for them to be in contention in two of those years, or at least flirting with contention, without any pitching staff to note beyond Irvin Santana and Jose Barrios and patchwork bullpen guys, he deserves some credit for that. It's hard to really say how much or specifically what, but how would you handicap Paul Molitor's race to the finish line here to, to keep a job and get an extension. I've said that if they're going to base it on 2017, he stays. But I don't know that that's the case. It's totally possible that they came in, Derek Falvey, what was he, 32, 33, applying for this big job, big-time promotion that a lot of people around baseball, I guess now I understand, sort of thought it was an eventuality, that he eventually would be running a baseball department. But still, you didn't have a lot of career capital you didn't have a lot of cachet you weren't exactly a big name at least from the outside looking in and so if you come into the job search and say hey yeah this would be a great job i'm the right man to build your baseball department and glenn or glenn taylor uh, jim polad gets to turn around and say okay sounds good i'm with you every step of the way and we've already got our manager under contract mm-hmm. for next year you don't exactly have the clout to come in and say oh no 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 i've got my guy i was going to bring my manager so that's my sort of bird's eye assessment of this situation. If Falvey already had his guy in mind, then Molitor probably didn't stand a chance. But if you're just basing it on the performance in 2017, I think you'd have to say the Twins have overachieved. And beyond that, I think you'd have to say that the lines of communication have been pretty constantly non-controversial. There's, there's a number of times that you could have picked a fight with the front office this year. Paul's tried hard not to. A hundred percent. And adapted quite a bit. Two weeks before the trade deadline, I asked him if he was more, as a manager in the last year of his contract, are you more concerned with the short term? Do you try to lobby for the fact that, hey, we're right in this race. We should add some pieces. 
And Mueller's answer caught me off guard. He said, no, I understand the long-term view of this thing. I get the whole contract thing, and people are going to want to talk about that. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I see 2017 as an important year, but I also see the bigger picture of this thing, that this isn't a one-year job. And that surprised me a little bit. I think if you felt like you were fighting for your job, you might be a little more uh, you incentivized to say, hey, no, let's let's make a run at this thing. I'll yeah. show you what I can do. But don't you think that's him? I mean, he's a he's a very, very smart guy. He He's a good baseball guy. He's a smart guy. He's very rational. And so I think because he's got to know in his heart of hearts, there's a very good chance that he's just not their guy. And that's not his fault. He's done a good job. I mean, if you just flat out said... Has he done a has he done a good enough job to come back? The answer is absolutely. That being said, you can't fault a new a new executive team that wouldn't bring him back. And he is he is fighting an incredibly difficult fight because on one hand he's got to let his players know I've got your back, but he's also done a very good job of saying I get where things guy. are going, which is what you just said. I think it's really hard, even for Derek Falvey and Thad Levine to quantify exactly. Okay, what. If Paul Molitor is not the guy, but we think this guy is over here, I'd love to know what specific things make up that difference. And right. it's probably hard to determine that if you're running a baseball team because there's just so many. It's it's an it's an art form in a game that makes a lot of decisions based on science and analytics, right? And so if if Paul is buying into some of the newer forms of evaluation, which all indicators are that he is. If they were to let him go and bring somebody else in, what specifically makes up the gap between him and Jeff Pickler or whoever the the next manager would be? Yeah, I don't have that answer because any decision you make, let's say you choose to bunt, and statistically the right play was to not bunt, but the play works out and you win the game because of that one run. Did you make the right decision? That's sort of the the philosophical question that you'd have to answer, and I don't think that there's an easy way to answer that, even over the course of 162 games. Let me ask you, though, Judd, before you jump in here, the big picture, don't you think, based on the way they've handled everything else and being totally open and, you know, everything is out there to talk about, I'm talking about behind the scenes, not necessarily to us. It's not like they're coming out and saying, hey, we're thinking of firing our director of analytics, but behind the scenes, you know that they had to have been saying, this is an evaluation year, guys. We're coming in. I think a lot of people feared for their jobs when they first took over. Mm-hmm. And then there was this sort of, no, no, no. How, how would we fire anybody right now? We don't now? know you we, guys. Yeah, we yeah. don't know you. I don't know how good you are. I don't know if you've been given the resources to succeed. And furthermore, I don't know who's out there to replace you. So let's just be cool. Let's take some time to learn each other, figure out our work processes. But I'm sure that that was in full disclosure. So don't you think if they came in and had their own guy, Mulder would already know that they would come in and say, hey, just so you know, this is an evaluation year, but like no guarantees, dude. No guarantees he, beyond 2018. But he probably would know and you wouldn't. But I he mean, would not go through that death march. And that's what I was going to get to, is that if Mulder's already aware that this is not a battle he can win. I, I don't I don't think it's I think black. he still has a chance. I, I do, do, too. And I don't that's think, what I'm saying. And I don't think it's black and white, though. I don't think I think he might have a very good idea. I mean, Jeff Pickler, who, who he's embraced, could be his replacement. I think that this is this is not a black and white conversation. I think if you're Paul, you have a idea. But that doesn't mean, and he has worked, to his credit, he has worked very hard to be in lockstep with those guys. Yeah. But then the but then the question becomes, 
do they say, well, he's worked so hard, he deserves another chance? Or do they say, he's worked really hard, he's been a good guy, we'd like to retain him in some capacity, but we've got a guy who we know would think like us, or How, closer to us? Let, let, let oh. me ask you guys one sort of big-picture question that underlies this whole conversation. Let's say they have another guy, and it's person X. Let's say it's Judd Zolgad. Judd is their handpick. They've heard him talking baseball on the radio for years now. So all of your decisions would just be panicked from over the top. You'd be, tr- you'd be the lineup he- card will be made at the bar half hour before the game. <laughs> you know, Come pick it up. You know that I'll at the trade. Come shag the card from me. I've got the lineup card. And you know that at the trade deadline, you would have no pushback from your manager on what you should do. You should be selling yes, all of your pieces. Every time. So, Constant rebuild. So they've been listening to AM Sports Talk Radio in the Twin Cities from Arlington and from Cleveland respectively for years, and they think this is the guy. How many more games would the Twins win in 2017 or in 2018 or in 2019 with Mystery Man or, in this case, Judd Zolgad running the ship over Paul Molitor. If you can answer that question and it's a big number, then by all means, I am entertaining this possibility. Well, he, and here's the this is the, the funny part about your question is, based on where they are run differential-wise, so they're like a minus whatever, 70, minus 70-something, yeah. that teams at this stage in the season who are a minus 70 on average are 48 and 61 are 13 games below 500 so they are 5 games better in the loss column so they're 53 and 56 they're 5 games better than what they should be based on the run differential and that's why they're kind of like they're they're gravitating toward their run differential these past 3 or 3 weeks it's just a natural regression they're not a great team but if Paul Molitor has them playing whether it's because of him or just in association with him 5 games above where they should be I don't know what else you put on your resume as a manager to, to, to say that I should I I'm competent enough. And in fact, let's come back because there's a lot of comparisons between I think the Paul Molitor teams these past three years, or at least two of them, and Ron Gardenhire in the early 2000s. Let's more with Derek Wetmore here. Touch them all podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Hey guys, this is Justin Musil, pro baseball scout. And Phil Mackey, pro radio guy. And we have the best baseball storytelling podcast on the market. That's right. It's not us telling the stories. It's Aaron Boone on coming from a baseball family and hitting one of the most famous home runs in the country. Jim Brower telling Barry Bond stories. Find Hardball Society on iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or HardballSociety.com. That's a lot of places. Yeah. So we're talking about run differential and why that can be an indicator. And just and just for example, you know, the Cubs based on their run differential last year of like plus 250 or something absurd, were supposed to be a 107 win team based on history. They wound up actually underachieving a little to 103 wins, but either way they're like well over 100. Um the Cubs this year based on run differential they are supposed to be a 59-win team right now. They've won 58 games. So run differential is very predictive, down to a couple games usually, of what you're supposed to be. And certain certain teams tend to deviate from that in smaller samples. Like the Twins are supposed to be 13 games below, below 500 right now based on their minus 70 run differential. And Molitor, either because he's a good manager or just based on luck, whatever it is, has them playing five games above that level. So he deserves credit there. And it reminds me of Derek and Judd, the Ron Gardenhire twins from his first four years, or like four of his first five years, where I'm just going to go through here. The 2002 twins, based on run differential, 
were supposed to be 86 and 76. They wind up winning 94 games. So that's eight extra wins mm-hmm. on top. Uh, in, in 2003, they were supposed to be an 85-win team. They win 90, so that's a plus five. Oh four, supposed to be an 87-win team. Guardy gets them to 92, plus five. And then the 2006 Twins, supposed to be 93 wins. He had them at 96, so constantly outperforming run differential and projections and even just logic in some ways. Those teams didn't have like loaded pitching staffs and... Big, they didn't have Jim Tomey in their lineup, but through manufacturing and culture or whatever it was, they were able to play at a higher level. So the question is still, is that because of a manager, in spite of a manager, or regardless of manager? <laughs> it's so hard to you know. I, it's like, almost can impossible. Can Judd do that same no, thing? Could think, he outperform Pythagorean? I think the answer to your question <laughs> is partially based on this, though. That was also a success that became known as the Twins way. That relied on an organizational philosophy that, that at that time worked well. You have now brought in two new younger guys who I think are going to have their own philosophies. And so the question becomes how much of the previous regime gets to stick around. And in this case, the firings might not even be truly justified, but necessary. So I, I think so the reason why I think Paul is gone is, and in retrospect now, I get it. I said that uh, that Polad shouldn't have stuck these guys with Paul, but in retrospect, I really believe these guys had no problems with coming in, especially since they came in relatively late, Derek Wetmore, and saying, we're going to spend a year finding out everything about the people, about, I mean, I think those guys now are in a situation where they know where the bodies are buried, basically. And, and once you know that, you can then start to make changes based on knowledge. Uh, patience doesn't necessarily translate to loyalty. And I think these guys were very patient and very smart. But I think now what you're going to see is you're going to see moves made where you're like, wow, that's interesting. And I don't blame them for one second for doing it because this is their baby and they are charged with turning around an organization that had become incredibly stale. Sure. So let me ask you, because you're in the buy Molitor, I'm in the keep Molitor, right? Yeah, bye well, bye, Molitor. I just think he's going to be gone. So my question is: Did you when you, when you thought this? And I think I'm not we all think you. he's probably going to be gone. Yeah, I'm not advocating him being gone. I'm saying uh-huh. reading the tea leaves now. The you're right. These are just the start of the changes. I, I still stand by the start of the changes. I just don't know if the manager is one of those changes. Did you? And this, I'm not accusing or anything. I'm just curious. When they started in November, did you decide then that Molitor was probably gone, or have you decided in the time since? I decided that I was going to wait and see their approach, and yeah. now that you're starting to see the approach Some unfold, yeah. this is I, the thing Lavelle wrote on Saturday. It didn't have a direct quote from Falvey about this, but it insinuated that there's going to be coaching staff changes. If they come in now and whack the coaching staff, guess what? Paul's odds of surviving that aren't very good. You don't think so? No. I think you could make coaching changes without changing the guy at the top. You can. I don't think you will. Okay. Fair enough. And I also think Paul would struggle with, with that because if he's told, we are now firing your pitching coach and we're firing your third base coach and we're doing this and the bench coach is going to change, he's going to say, well, that's intriguing. So I think that he's, I just, if you look at that's the direction this is going, I think you can see the writing on the wall for him. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be positive. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, we'll just have to agree to disagree because I think that if I was trying to figure out in terms of in-game strategy and communication before, during and after games, I kind of am getting what I want out of Paul Molitor this year. If I'm 
Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. So I, what change just for change sake, change to go younger, change to get a guy that you had hand picked before you started this job. Yeah, that's that's closer. Okay. So that change may- so that it becomes entirely yours. And maybe that's the case. I, I think that you got to fix the pitching staff, and if you can do that with the current manager, I have no problem with that. If you have to change things to get that to happen, then so be it. That's yeah. part of baseball. Funny how, uh, like in Los Angeles, you Darvish and Clayton Kershaw can make a guy look like a pretty damn good manager, right? So mm-hmm. uh, find Derek's Twins coverage at 1500ESPN.com and our Touch Em All podcast, Weekly Conversation.